5, starting at verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, in in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me that said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn and there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today's reading takes place, or I should say the setting for today's reading is the, uh, the Pool of Bethesda. The author tells us that Jesus is in the, te- in the uh, city for a feast and you would have expected him to be at the temple. That's kind of what people assume about Jesus. I mean, it started when he was 12, right? You know, he goes there with his family and then when they can't find him, where is he? He's in the temple. So Jesus, you would have thought, would go for this feast to the temple and yet he's gone to this place by the sheep gate where people gather because of their various crippling dysfunctions. And it looks like maybe his priorities are a little different on this visit because he's decided to go where hurting people are. Now, we know a little bit through historical records and commentaries and things, and we can assume some things based on Jesus's words. For example, one of the things we can derive from his, his uh, telling the guy, okay, now go sin no more, and based on some historical information, is that this was not a place where Jews would typically go. It's, it's a pagan location. Bethesda is a place where pagan tradition says that if you jump into the water as soon as it's stirred, you can uh, expect to be healed. The impression you get is, is that 
if somebody's getting healed, it hasn't happened very often. It does, you know, it's, it must've been somebody else, you know? And, and so there's a, there's a, a sort of faithlessness in this man in the sense that he is trusting in a pagan ritual or pagan rite. And so maybe this is why Jesus says to him, now go and sin no more. So what, is, what do we make of that? Well, I don't know. When you've been handicapped because of circumstances that are beyond your control, maybe at some point you get desperate and you'll try anything. And maybe we shouldn't fault the guy because he was trying anything. It's kind of like people today thinking that CBD oil will fix everything. Well, when you've tried everything else, why don't you try that too? Because it's the latest craze, right? But does it really? So what I really want to focus on today in this story that goes so well with what Elise said and then what Lynn shared with you is that this is, this is a story that is more about the man's heart condition than his limb condition. It's more about what's wrong in his spirit than it is about what's wrong with his body. I'm not going to propose that because your spirit is wrong, God never plans to heal your body or vice versa. I don't think that I have the authority to say that. But what I can tell you about this man is, is that Jesus asks him a very poignant question, and I believe he's asking you the same question today. I like the King James version of the question the best in this particular case. In our English Standard Version, Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? But in the King James, the phrase goes like this, wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? I want you to really think about that question today. Wilt thou be made whole? I have noticed, as probably you have, that our popular culture in the West has this weird obsession with zombies. Have you noticed that? Seems like, I, I can't even remember when this obsession with zombie genre, I can remember Night of the Walking Dead. I'm old enough to remember when that came out, and I see some of you shaking your heads. It's like, yeah, but that was kind of a one-off deal, right? Now, I mean, when that happened, that was just like, oh, freaky movie, good, you know, good entertainment. But somehow in the last 20 or 30 years, all of a sudden there's just one zombie movie after another, one more zombie series after another, and... And, and, and I can't figure out why we've become so obsessed with zombies. And you might be thinking, well, what in the world does that have to do with this story today? Have you listened carefully to what this man's situation was? He's been crippled due to circumstances that I'm sure are beyond his control. And even if he was stupid and he got crippled because of stupidity, it's still you know, it's just the cards he was dealt. And somehow he's landed in this position where he is, for all intents and purposes, a zombie. He's a guy who's just this close to being dead. He spends every day of his life in a state of self-pity, 
unproductive, bland, seasonless, senseless, day-to-day sameness, right? This is what he does. I can't imagine spending a week sitting in a place like that, wallowing in my own filth and doing nothing. How many of you, I know some of us, you know, we've got this, you know, especially around these parts, you know, some of us have this German work ethic and we can't imagine sitting still because, you know, something terrible is going to happen to us. You know, relatives are going to come up out of the grave or something, you know, but, but, but I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about can, can you imagine spending a week or a month or six months or a year just sitting on a pile of blankets in a place like that, doing nothing. Then try to imagine 38 years of that, over and over, day after day, day after day, just the same routine over and over. And here's what I know about that part of the country is they do have seasons, but they're not particularly profoundly different from each other. They, so it's really easy to imagine that it's either a really hot time of year or kind of a chilly time of year, but otherwise it's the same. This guy's a zombie. He's... he's the not walking dead because of his crippling condition. Now, you know, when we look at this zombie genre, what we have is a picture of people who have lost their life force and their soul, and now their bodies are just animated by some strange, unexplainable condition, right? That's what zombies are. They have no life energy or soul. They're just bodies, shuffling around the countryside, looking for brains to eat. Mmm. And then some of the iterations that are out there now, they get really good with the special effects and pieces and parts are falling off of them as they walk along, and it's, it's kind of amazing. But isn't it funny how... It would, can you imagine, for example, if Jesus came up to one of these TV show zombies and said, "Wilt thou be made whole? Can you imagine that? You know, and the zombie goes, Ugh. Jesus says, I'll take that for a yes. And the next thing you know, flesh starts coming back and things start getting better. And the next thing you know, the soul enters back in, the life energy resumes and they're whole again. They're human beings again. Come on, you know where I'm going with this, right? When Jesus says, will thou be made whole, will it make any difference whether you are a TV version of a zombie or whether you're a real walking dead person who is alive in a way, but mostly your soul energy and your life energy is, you know, the pilot lights on, but that's about it, right? Now, I'm grateful we really don't have zombies like they do on TV and, and all of that. And someday we should probably have a talk about why America and Western people are obsessed with zombies. I, I have a theory about that, but we'll save it for another time. But the thing that I, I want you to hear today is, is that Jesus is asking you the same question that he asked that man that day. Wilt thou be made whole? 
You know, if you find yourself feeling sort of this relentless sameness, where every day you get up and you do the same thing over and over again, and it's kind of hard to remember where all the time went when your birthday rolls around again. If you are going through the motions in life, just not really sure why you're here or what you're doing of any consequence or what your purpose is, then you could be some form of the zombie that Jesus came to revive. The man with the condition that left him with no particular kind of lifestyle has what we might consider an explanation or an excuse, but the reality is Jesus called him out. <laughs> he called him out. And if he's calling out a guy who has what looks like a legitimate excuse, then maybe he's calling out people who don't seem to have any excuse. And he's saying, wilt thou be made whole? It might surprise you to hear this. There's a lot of people that go to church all their lives and they go to places just like this one who are walking dead. They're just zombies going through the motions. Here's a few kinds. There are people who haven't yet surrendered their lives to Christ and they've been, they have not been born again. And so they're basically working their way every day closer to a death sentence. You're living your life like a zombie, going through the motions, and you're on death row the whole time. You are. And, and if you get right down to it, the way people like that live is they either try as fast and hard as they can to outrun judgment and death, or... They just try to pretend like it's not real. You know, um, there's a lot of people in the world like that. And sadly, a lot of them go to church every Sunday and they, they hear the, the scripture proclaiming gospel truth and, and they still don't wake up. They still don't get it. They, they hear it, but they can't internalize it. And so they find themselves trying to buy enough things to put off the inevitable. They try to go to the doctor to get another fix for another thing that ain't right, and they just keep going and going and going. But you do understand, don't you, that every time you get over the last cold you had, every time you get over the broken bone, or every time you get put back together after the traffic accident, every time you lick the cancer or you overcome whatever, Every time you do that, could be the last. Because the one thing we all have in common is, is that unless Jesus returns before our bodies perish, we will all die. And I don't want to scare anybody or make any of the young people feel bad, but this is unfortunately the nature of the human condition. Every day, people run out of time. And they die. And if that is all there is, then living life as though you have to use up every bit of energy you have making yourself as comfortable and happy and, and content as you can possibly imagine, if that's what you're doing, Jesus asks you, wilt thou be made whole? 
Are you tired of trying to cheat death, beat the inevitable judgment that comes that leads to permanent death where there is nothing more than this time on earth? If you're trying to do that, Jesus says, wilt thou be made whole? Now, here's another kind. And I find these are very common types of people in, in my experience, and uh, I've probably been one myself at different points in my life. They're people who have accepted a form of salvation. They acknowledge that without Christ as a peacemaker between them and God, they're going to be in trouble. And the trouble they imagine is that when they run out of ways to cheat death and they run out of things to medicate themselves against the pain of, of sameness and boring, relentless life. They're going to end up dying, and they prefer to know that they're going to a better place when they die. You could say they've purchased an insurance policy, and their mindset is that they're keeping this insurance policy for that day when the doctor says, you're not going to beat this one. And then they start feeling grateful that they have this insurance policy and they feel like if they've gone to church every Sunday and they put something in the plate every week, they've been keeping up their premiums. And yet there's every chance that when you stand before your creator in judgment, he's going to say, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but you could not have paid enough to keep up your premiums. There wasn't enough that you could have done or given to keep up your premiums. And so honestly, your account was canceled a long time ago. But it's nice to know that it gave you some comfort for a while, gave you this false peace of mind. There's a lot of those kind of people in church and in the world even, people who don't go to church, but they figure that God owes them something because they're good people. And what they really mean is I'm gooder than the people that I think aren't so good. And that's a standard that's quite subjective. And so it comes down to really at the end of the time uh, of, of grace, when God executes judgment, it'll come down to what God considers good. And finally, there's this group of people who have, well, They've rejected the tree of life and they've embraced the tree of death. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I call it the counterfeit Christianity. And they are people who have uh, such a resistance to the Christian biblical worldview that they've kind of written their own version of it. And these are people who are, I think, far worse off than the first groups because there's hope for them. There's hope for them, but, but these people, they actually think that the Bible-believing Christian people are the zombies and that they're wandering around mindlessly following a silly, outdated faith that you know, makes them want to consume the brains of thinking people. And so they elevate the intellect, they elevate the human condition and consider it God, and yet they completely and utterly reject a faith system that says, I'm not God, I can't pay the premiums, my life, my eternity, my soul are in God's hands. 
And they look at people like us and they think that we are fools. There's just a few examples for you. Jesus has one word for all of them. One phrase. It's the same thing he said to the man at the pool of Bethesda. Wilt thou be made whole? Chew on that for a little while, because if you feel like you've been stuck in the sameness of endless days of lifeless separation from God and the people of God's kingdom, Jesus is asking you that question, wilt thou be made whole? He's there if you're blaming God or your parents or your family or your government or the conditions of things in your life or your boss or whatever for the fact that you can't get a break and life's not fair. If you are that person, Jesus is saying, wilt thou be made whole? If you're bitter, if you're hopeless, if you're faithless, if Jesus is not giving you what you think you're entitled to or you deserve, then Jesus is asking you the same question, wilt thou be made whole? If you're tired of a lifeless religion that feels like an insurance policy but doesn't enliven your soul, then Jesus is asking you, wilt thou be made whole? And if you're looking down at the roots of the tree of death, and you realize that what you're seeing from upside down is the light shining through from the tree of life, go to the light. And Jesus will take your hand and take you home. Let us pray. Well, God, take the word, burn it onto the hearts. If it isn't a good word, it probably didn't come from you, so... Erase it from their memories. I pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Amen.